Welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine and I'm here with John. Hey, John. Hello. All right. It's my turn. I picked a story called Happy Endings by Margaret Atwood, and I'm going to read from the beginning. John and Mary meet. What happens next? If you want a happy ending, try A. A. John and Mary fall in love and get married. They both have worthwhile and remunerative jobs, which they find stimulating and challenging. They buy a charming house. Real estate values go up. Eventually, when they can afford live-in help, they have two children to whom they are devoted. The children turn out well. John and Mary have a stimulating and challenging sex life and worthwhile friends. They go on fun vacations together. They retire. They both have hobbies, which they find stimulating and challenging. Eventually, they die. This is the end of the story. B. Mary falls in love with John, but John does not fall in love with Mary. He merely uses her body for selfish pleasure and ego gratification of a tepid kind. He comes to her apartment twice a week and she cooks him dinner. You'll notice that he doesn't even consider her worth the price of a dinner out. And after he's eaten the dinner, he fucks her. And after that, he falls asleep while she does the dishes. So he won't think that she's untidy having all those dirty dishes lying around and puts on fresh lipstick so she'll look good when he wakes up. But when he wakes up, he doesn't even notice. He puts on his socks and his shorts and his pants and his shirt and his tie and his shoes, the reverse order from the one in which he took them off. He doesn't take off Mary's clothes. She takes them off herself. She acts as if she's dying for it every time, not because she likes sex exactly. She doesn't. But she wants John to think she does because if they do it often enough, surely he'll get used to her. He'll come to depend on her and they will get married. But John goes out the door with hardly so much as a good night and three days later, he turns up at six o'clock and they do the whole thing over again. Mary gets run down. Crying is bad for your face. Everyone knows that and so does Mary but she can't stop people at work notice her friends tell her John is a rat a pig a dog he isn't good enough for her but she can't believe it inside John she thinks is another John who is much nicer this other John will emerge like a butterfly from a cocoon a jack from a box a pit from a prune if the first John is only squeezed enough One evening, John complains about the food. He has never complained about the food before. Mary is hurt. Her friends tell her they've seen him in a restaurant with another woman whose name is Madge. It's not even Madge that finally gets to Mary. It's the restaurant. John has never taken Mary to a restaurant. Mary collects all the sleeping pills and aspirins she can find and takes them and half a bottle of sherry. You can see what kind of a woman she is by the fact that it's not even whiskey. She leaves a note for John. She hopes he'll discover her and get to her hospital in time and repent and then they can get married. But this fails to happen and she dies. John marries Madge and everything continues as an A. I had read this story before and I think I found it the same way the first time, just kind of like looking for what are considered some of the best short stories. And I really like the story I shared a couple rounds ago. I forget now if it's even aired yet, but it's the one where where the power goes off and the couple's talking about they're sharing secrets in the dark with each other. I just really like stories where that's all it's about is like two people (laughs) and relationships like this. And this one by Margaret Atwood, I think, does something similar to uh, the cockroach story by, was it Clarice Lispector? Yeah, the the fifth story. Yeah, so she does like five versions of a telling of killing these cockroaches and they're kind of told just back to back like this. I think it's even like a similar length. And um, I like the form of it too. So it just, it continues like that, this 
this story, there's section A, B, C, D, E, and F. And some of them are better and worse than the two that I read. (laughs) I don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And that's kind of why I like the format and the content. And it feels almost like a play on writing. I think there's even a line in there, like all stories being similar this way, where it's like, it's like man versus man, man versus nature. Everything's been told, you know? And so these are just like variations on like the story we just read is very specific that Mary has a situationship with a guy named John who's kind of a dick and uh, she ends up killing herself. But there's versions of that that are all the same, right? (laughs) Someone loving, it's unrequited love in some sense. I think this quote is included on that PDF that you're going to link to, but it's in this book as well. She says, uh, this is from Margaret, something that Margaret Atwood said or wrote. She said, when I wrote Happy Endings, the year was, I think, 1982. I was writing a number of short fictions then. I did not know what sort of creature it was. It was not a poem, a short story, or a prose poem. It was not quite a condensation, a commentary, a questionnaire, and it missed being a parable, a proverb, a paradox. It was a mutation. Writing it gave me a sense of furtive glee, like scribbling anonymously on a wall with no one looking. This summer, I saw a white frog. It would not have been startling if I didn't know that this species of frog is normally green. This is the way such a mutant literary form unsettles us. We know what is expected in a given arrangement of words. We know what is supposed to come next, and then it doesn't. It was a little disappointing to learn that other people had a name for such aberrations and had already made up rules. And the name is metafictions or metafiction. I really like that as a description of what this is, is kind of like, she doesn't know what it is. She's just like kind of exploring something as as the writer. It's like, I had this idea and I just went with it and just like followed it where it went and didn't try to conform to anything. Just like, was like, and I was thinking about this as, uh, as writers, right? We sit down and we're like, all right, I have an idea for a story. Yeah. Is it a story? I need a character. I need a problem. Like, how does the character solve the problem? We think about story. We think about form. Think about all those things. Like, how is this going to end? Some stories right. are like all about the ending. I'm going to build up to this amazing ending, and that's what the reader is going to be excited about. And then um, there's other like ways of coming up with stories where we think about character and how to develop the character. And I think I don't know this for sure, but it feels like the concept of metafiction, like stories that are about stories and storytelling, right. in some ways about themselves, and the rise of creative writing programs where people went and started trying to learn how to write stories seem to coincide. There's like a uh, coincidence between the two of them where the more writing classes, the more creative writing programs that arose, the more metafiction arose as people were didn't know what to write about. So they wrote about storytelling. They wrote stories about yeah. stories. And like this falls right into that. And it does it in a really, really cool way. But it makes me wonder like, who's the audience? Like there are thousands yeah. of writers tr- trying to be writers, you know, I'm the, definitely an audience for this piece. But would like air conditioner repairman who likes to read short stories on the weekend, what would they think about this story? I don't know. Anyway, just random thoughts. <laughs> they might think more about the content than the structure, you know? I mean, like, I think what we're wowed by is the structure, but... Yeah, yes, but there's part of that. There's something like, like, okay, so the cockroach story, I'd have to reread again, but that's like five iterations of a something similar, like how they're 
getting rid of these cockroaches. We're not. I think it's even shorter than this too. So yeah, yeah, it's like one page maybe or like a page in a paragraph. And like this one, I think the form is interesting given the content, which is that you know a relationship can go any of these number of ways. Like it's boring, it goes well, or it goes like horribly. So there's something about the structure where it's like, oh, let's see each of them play out with the same characters, you know, and maybe someone that's reading it and not worried like we are about like is this metafiction could still recognize that structure as being part of the story that yeah. this thing can go so many different ways but I like the part of the quote that you read and I think this is like maybe jumping to my takeaway but she's she found herself like excited writing this and part of that was because it felt like she said no one was watching and so yes. I, I yeah I really like stories like that where you don't necessarily know what you're gonna do with it and you kind of realize that while you're coming up with it you're like I don't know if this is worth anything but right now I'm captivated by the concept so I'm just gonna go with it and usually for me it's short story it's stories like this that are so short you know you have enough like in you right in that moment to just write something and I have like a note on my phone which is all that kind of stuff where I'm like I don't know if this is poetry or what but I have 30 seconds and I have this idea and I'm just gonna type it out and maybe I'll edit it a couple times but there's something really nice about like kind of telling myself I'm never gonna share it because I don't know what it is and a lot of times that's some of my like best work versus the stuff that I labor over and think to myself like has to be of a certain caliber or has to achieve something for the reader you know a lot of times it's like the stuff that you're most excited about is just like good enough for you it's interesting this um there was always short short fiction before all this but flash fiction came into as a concept as an idea of like oh this is a different thing than a short story it's called flash fiction that's like the rose a little while ago and it kind of gave writers a kind of venue of like experimentation in certain ways okay you think about like joyce james joyce decided he was going to do an experiment and he wrote this gigantic tome ulysses right Uh it's huge and the whole thing is like very self-aware very not quite metafictional but like has certain uh, elements of that idea to it i think uh you can write a super long story like this like that is aware of itself like this but right the ability to contain it in something is uh, also helpful but I think that's part of what she's describing, like what you were you mentioned, like you kind of write it in hiding is you like, you know, all these rules as a writer, you, and especially yeah. thinking about creative writing programs and like reading all these books that have come out, just thinking about stories all the time. There's like rules and you're like, it'd be nice to kind of like to know those rules and shove them aside at the same time. Right. And just like, yeah, she kind of refers to them as part of the metafiction of them is like uh, yeah. at the end, she's like um, so much for endings. Beginnings are all always more fun. There's another one he purchases a handgun saying he needs it for target practice. This is the thin part of the plot, but it can be dealt with later uh, yeah. and shoots the two of them and himself. <laughs> like, you know, as a writer, you're like, well, this is a little off, but I'm not going to worry about it. So you throw in that line about like, we'll deal with this later. And you acknowledge it, you know, you know, having fun with it and just forgetting the rules and letting yourself play around. Like you said, though, she's aware of the rules. And I think he said something like she's maybe setting them aside over here while she just like worries about this. I'm sure we've talked about this before but I would almost like only encourage a writer of her experience level to dismiss the rules you know oh yeah you can't do this if you don't know the rules yeah (laughs) and it's not just because she's like thwarting them or something it's because she has she's a wonderful writer and so these little sections they build and they surprise you and the sentences themselves are exciting to read I mean she's got a command of the language and she knows what she's doing even if she doesn't 
understand yet what the form is going to result in. Like she is still like achieving that emotional arc for us or that emotional satisfaction somehow. Yes. You said she has a command of the language. I think I would put it as she has a command of the reader's attention. Okay. She knows exactly how to capture us and yeah. carry us along. And that yeah. part of that is the language and part of that is the subject matter and how it's presented. And part of that is the playfulness of it. Yeah. So all those things working together kind of just like grab us and like, we want to keep reading because we found something interesting along with her. Right. I guess, you know, we've talked about this in our workshop too. And I think on the podcast a couple times, you know, when we wonder to ourselves, like, is this a story? What is a story? And I know we've come up with our own definition and other people maybe have come up with theirs. But like what I always go back to is like, this to me feels like a story because I feel like I have experienced like the emotional arc. Like I start in one place and I end up somewhere else. It's not a plot thing, even though we've gone through five plots, you know, because by the end, she's basically saying like, what you hope for is a you hope for the boring, okay, dynamic in life. And all of these other things are kind of, like you said, beginnings are always more fun. Well, the, the, the funny, I know, funny kind of the interesting thing here is she starts with the ending, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a play on this idea, obviously, it's called happy endings, right? So she starts with the happy ending. And like every little sub segment kind of like refers back to continue along with a right in other words go back to the happy ending because now we've achieved it and at the end she's like kind of steps out of like the narrative or note-taking kind of uh, storytelling and says you'll have to face it the endings are the same however you slice it don't be deluded by any other endings they're all fake either deliberately fake with malicious intent to deceive or just motivated by excessive optimism if not by downright sentimentality the only authentic ending is the one provided here john and mary die John and Mary die. John and Mary die. Right? It's terrible, yeah. So it starts off with like what you would consider a happy ending. And then it ends with what you consider. And this isn't like a a sad ending, right? The death part. But that's like the only, she's claiming this is the only real ending you can have to a story. That's part of the emotional journey. But it's not the character's emotional journey. It's the emotional journey of the kind of journey she's taking us on. Right. As readers. And as for herself, like this started as a playful moment. She went on this journey and figured out a way to bring us along with. And then that next paragraph the ending there you read part of it where it says beginnings are always more fun and then it says true connoisseurs however are known to favor the stretch in between since it's the hardest to do anything with that's about all that can be said for plots which anyway are just one thing after another a what and a what and a what now try how and why and that goes back to this like metafiction and that's the kind of thing where you're talking about like do (laughs) ac repairmen care about that section probably not but like as a writer those are the kind of sections that are really exciting to read because those are the things you realize you struggle with you know yeah you can always come up with the premise and if you can come up with the ending you can come up with the beginning but it's like the in-between stuff that usually for me is what makes a novel and <laughs> like i don't have time for that yeah why does john fall in love with mary yeah <laughs> why does mary fall in love with john right it's always just like here's mary and john they get together and then they die and all the stuff in between is what makes it one of a million of the same stories you know because the ending's just same we all are we all do all this bullshit just to arrive at the end i mean the metafiction of this is is like I'm sure she was either participating in creative writing programs or like aware of like the books being written in some because this the last sections are very much like kind of craft driven essay style yeah it's like that's all that can be said for plots like she's just ending a whole disquisition on plots right right so um now try how and why it's like she's giving advice in some way even though this is supposedly a fiction that is in that that form of the how to write advice kind of style which is 
is why I was wondering about audience, but it's also part of the the journey of the story. It's kind of like that frog story, the frog prince with the happy endings, like happily ever after is just always now. It's like wherever kind of condition you're in at the moment. Yeah, but if you go too far along, it's not happy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is like, you can always get there. There's always like a place where the happy ending happens. It's just the journey to it is what's interesting in a story. Yeah. Now try how and why. So it's like under, you know, the part of the journey is undermining the concept of endings. Right. I think on some level, you don't have to be writing metafiction to, to write a story like of this structure, you know? I think there's still something like about the structure that can work for a lot of different types of stories. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a commentary on how the writing process works. And that's like what I would say is the fun part. Going back to that quote where she's like, I felt like I was writing without anyone looking, you know? I think we've all probably come up with a format or a structure where you're just kind of like, now I'm going to go to this section and then you kind of realize like what you're doing is not normal <laughs> but you don't have to comment on it happening you know you could just kind of do it yeah i mean i feel like my takeaway for this story is going to be along those lines is just when you write just try to forget everything and just try to get in like just write it don't worry about what you're trying to do or trying to conform to something just let it come out how it's going to come out you know you can worry about that stuff later if you need to you might discover something cool along the way like a form that's different than what you expected just let things come yeah as a form you can drape all kinds of different kind of arcs into it if you wanted to. This is like that, uh, I remember when we talked about the Choose Your Own Adventure one, the medical clinic It's the sci-fi story. thing, yeah. Yeah, and I made a comment like, I don't think, like this is like, it was the perfect form and format to express the frustration of dealing with the um, medical industry, like waiting in line, not sure about the decisions you're making, whether or not decisions have any effect, if they matter. Dying personally. A lot of, yeah, a lot of those were like if you want to do this go here if you don't want to do that and do something else you're going to wind up there anyway but if you want to take the detour that's fine so the form is making comment on the experience right and like this does a similar thing so in some ways the form feels just perfectly suited to the comment it's making on the concept of endings right right because what it does is it allows each section has its own ending so you're getting to many different endings right you're allowing the reader to arrive at lots of endings you can make comments about endings right so you could probably do something similar if you start a bunch of sections you can make comments about beginnings and you don't have to think consciously about these things to discover that sort of thing anyway i think the form is part of it but like you said you could do other things with it like i also don't know that i would like assign something like this as a prompt you know the way i might assign a prompt in the vein of the chicken wing story and the butchering gator stories where you can you know there's something to be learned in that form format where like maybe she arrived at that format somehow and that form and it really works for her maybe like that came later or maybe she just like forced herself to write to that and I think either way you can force yourself to write to that and then there's something about that form that makes it this version of a story I think this is harder to like kind of think to yourself what would I play around with I wouldn't uh, encourage you necessarily to follow this exact format for any kind of reason maybe I would encourage people to follow the format of the cockroach story because that one feels a little bit different to me but my main takeaway is is a little broader in that you can write something and not really worry too much about what it is if you're really 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 into it and if when you write it you feel something when you reread it you think 
damn, that's good. <laughs> and then maybe you submit it somewhere and people are like, well, what is this? And you're like, uh, doesn't matter. It's beside the point. Like, did you like it? It's like, um, <laughs> we used to talk about this in journalism all the time because, you know, journalism's failing miserably. And the, there was this like emphasis on like, what do readers want? And I was always like, who the hell cares what they want? It's like, you got to eat your vegetables, you know, like this is the news. We didn't make it up. But also when it came to stories in the newspaper that were considered like um, narrative long form, you know, written more in the way of a short story where it's satisfying that way. I was always like, I don't think readers know what they want until they've read it. And I don't think that they could tell you that they want to read a long form story about, I don't know, a kid with a dying of cancer with a bucket list or like a transgender teen or whatever. Like, I don't know that they would say like, you know what I really want to read about. But once they've read it, they think, wow, that's good. And I think we can think about format like this the same way. Like, you don't know that you want to write it this way. You don't know that people want to read it this way. But when you've landed on it, I think you can kind of look at it and recognize it as being something really good. If it works, it works, right? Yeah, you don't have to think too much about what did I just do? Yeah, I like that Margaret Atwood wrote the thing where she said um, she only discovered later that people already had a name for the kind of thing she yeah, had Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's something really great about thinking to yourself that you're discovering something and then realizing later you didn't. Like, yeah, sure, that's humbling. But also, if you've come at it that way without the intention of trying to accomplish a certain format, there's probably something like inherently good about the way you've done it. You haven't overthought it. Yeah, it is humbling in that you're like, oh, I guess I'm not as creative as I thought. Yeah. But it's also nice to know that um, I think it, I think it's comforting to know that we're all people. We all yeah. are going to arrive at like, I, I have ideas for things and I'm like, I can't be the only one who's ever thought of that. It's impossible that I'm the only one who's ever thought of that because there are billions of people in the world. Right. <laughs> Just statistically, you know, someone's going to think those thoughts, but you don't have to know it exists in order to discover it for yourself, right? No. And when you're just kind of coming at something organically, like you've gotten a thought and you're kind of running with it, maybe it doesn't turn out into this perfect first draft. And maybe that's when you can go back and look and see, okay, there's people that have tried something like what I was instinctively doing here. And now maybe I'll mold it that way and I'll achieve it. But I would just like encourage people to start with that first instinct and just run with it and worry about what it ends up as later. But if you were discovering something that other people had already discovered, the other good thing about that is that means people will read it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you're you're will, nailing will something. Want it, right. Right. They will recognize it when they see it. They will know right. what it is. Because if it's if you literally found something brand new to the human experience, people wouldn't know what to do with it when they read it. Right. They would say, I don't know what this is. This is weird. This is not human experience that has ever come before. And I don't want to read it again. <laughs> yeah. Also, like if you're maybe sad that you're not as creative as you thought you were stumbling upon some new format, you can be comforted by the fact that you were going on the same journey that all the greats were, right? Like That's your right. instincts are, are right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it used to be that um, writers taught themselves by reading other writers. There were no creative writing programs. There were no like how to write a novel books. Right. It's just you go out and you read all the novels you can. You kind of internalize the format and like what's expected of that kind of writing and reading experience. And then you try to do it yourself and you right. uh, stumble around and you figure out what works. Right. I think one of the bad effects of, I think it's great that there's so many creative writing programs. I love the idea that more and more people people are trying to write, it's a good thing. But one of the bad things about it is that more people who are trying to write are write, reading how to write books rather than reading good novels. You spend a week reading the how to write a novel book, you haven't read a novel. <laughs> 
Right. And um, maybe in that you're also kind of like teaching writers how to conform to the current standard versus just come at it organically and come up with the next iteration of all of this. Like, yeah, we're just kind of churning or like we're training writers versus discovering the talent or whatever. Or honing or actualizing like latent or incipient talent. All of this to say that I don't care that the Iowa Writers Workshop rejected me. <laughs> That's right. Better off. We're better off for it. I don't want to be a rubber stamp. <laughs> no, I want to develop organically over the next 40 years. Maybe not at all. I'm very happy with this journey for me. All right. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, consider joining our Patreon. Your support helps us keep the show running. Find out more at patreon.com slash podcast. And for industry news, writing tips, and great short fiction, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Naples Writers Workshop. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter at napleswritersworkshop.com.